Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie. And I'm Karma, and you're listening to I'd Rather Be Canyoneering. We're best friends who totally geek out about canyon rigging and beautiful slot canyons. Basically, we'd always rather be canyoneering, but when we can't, we spend every spare minute we have talking about it. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please seek professional instruction and practice technical skills in a controlled environment before entering slot canyons. Your safety is entirely your own responsibility. Welcome to our canyon crew. What is the difference between single strand repelling and double strand repelling? I've been rock climbing for a decade and I have come down plenty of repels double stranded on my ATC. Now somebody's telling me that I need to do something different. What are you talking about? Why don't you think I know what I'm doing? I've got plenty of experience. And yet in a new environment, there might be some other choices that I wanted to make. I realized that I was doing it all wrong when I came into a slot canyon that had a ton of short repels. I later came to call these nuisance repels. I had, like most canyoneers do, a 200 foot rope and I'm going down this canyon and I was about to get out my rope at every single repel. That was my plan to get out my rope at every single repel and throw it down, set the middle mark and repel down double stranded. And I came up to the first repel and I went to set it up as a double strand repel. And here comes my buddy with a carabiner in his hand. And I said, what are you going to do with that, Brett? And he hands it to me and told me to put a clove hitch on it. So I did. And I saw what it looked like to only let out 15 feet of rope at a 15 foot repel. And I left the rest of the rope at the top and we repelled single strand. The last person chucked the rope bag down. We only had 30 feet of rope to deal with. And we went on our merry way, repeating this another 15 times, saving a ton of time down this canyon. And I knew that I needed to upgrade my skills and figure out a lot more techniques that I had been missing out on. Yeah, and it really was eye-opening when we realized there's another way to do this. <laughs> like we had just been throwing and going for so long. And what we mean by that is taking your rope, sticking it through the repeat on the bottom of the anchor, and then throwing both ends down and then putting two strands into your repel device to repel off of. And one of the nice things about it is that it's quick and it's easy to inspect. Like you don't really need a lot of training to be able to see, oh, the rope went through the anchor. I had actually learned throw and go in a class. That was the technique that we, we learned and that we were taught. And there are so many more options that I don't know why we didn't talk about more. I wish we had, but I'm really glad that I've learned them now. So that's kind of one we want to focus on today is single stranding and double stranding riggings and like which situation you would want to choose one over the other where they shine, where they don't shine. Yeah, climbers, I'm gonna give you all a shout out here. I get it. Double strand repelling makes a whole lot of sense when you're coming back down a climbing route that you just did. For one thing, climbing routes are usually pretty vertical. That's why we climb up them because they're fun and they're challenging. 
In canyoneering, the route is often windy and you might get to like some 5-4 climbing that has a lot of ledges and turns and bends and places for the rope to get snagged. When you single strand, you're able to control those ropes. You also have a lot more options in case of emergency. A lot of times with climbing, we just came up the route, we know it's there, and now we're going back down. There's nothing really to surprise us at the bottom. We also know that the rope touched because I was able to be lowered down. I know where my rope mark was. So that's not always the case in canyoneering. You can't always see the bottom and you can't always see that your rope is touching. It's kind of an added challenge to that. Quite a few things that play into it. A lot of times in canyoneering, you might be rappelling into a pool of water and that's a lot different. Most climbers don't start their climb in a pool of water. And so they don't have the obstacle to navigate when they get down, being cold and wet and trying to work with their gear while they're swimming doesn't come up very often for climbers. So <laughs> uh, if you're doing that, you might be doing something wrong or you might be doing something really fun. And uh, it just it's techniques that were specific to this canyon environment that I didn't realize how helpful it was to have the extra tools until I really started playing in the new environment. Kind of another one of our aha moments regarding double stranding versus single stranding was when I realized that these hand ascenders that I had been carrying through all these canyons could only go on one strand of the rope. And I realized that I was carrying them for self-rescue and that if I'm double stranding, they're basically useless if I get stuck in the middle of the rebel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I don't know why it took so long for those dots to get connected by a line, but it did. And you can self-rescue on double-stranded setup, but you can't do it with mechanical ascenders. You're going to need two prussic knots to be able to ascend a double-strand if you are coming down it and get stuck in the middle of it and need to rescue yourself. Right. If you're just going to put those hand ascenders on one strand, then you're going to start pulling it through. If you're trying to put it on one and then the other, you are just going to slide it back and forth. So all these ideas that we originally thought, oh yeah, we're so smart. We brought our ascenders. That wouldn't work. So Karma, what are some of our other options that we learned besides just the toss and go or throw and go? One of the first other options that we learned was to do a beaner block. So that's just taking a carabiner, tying a clove hitch, and pulling that up against the repeat so that it blocks one side of the rope and allows you to just go down on one strand. And we realized all of the options that are available to you when you do a setup like that as opposed to a double-stranded. So one of the nice things about doing a beaner block or any single rope system is that you keep um, the other half of the rope in reserve at the top of the rappel. Say someone goes down and gets stuck halfway through, you have a whole other half of the rope that you can use to rescue, you can use to go down to them. You just have a lot more options for that. I think this was one of those systems that as a beginning cannoneer, I hadn't thought all the way through. Because I had thought, okay, double strand repel. Yeah, I guess if they get stuck, I'll just get on repel too and go down to them. But once both those ropes are weighted, you cannot pull a bite of rope into your repel device. And once those strands of rope are weighted, 
even if you could get your device on there, you have a fireman belay hanging on below you. So the person pulling on that is not going to let you move. There's not a way to get down to them on your regular device. You're going to need to do something special, like get a Prusik on there that you can go down on, like a VT Prusik or something like that. But there's not a lot of other options, and it was one of those things that just hadn't hadn't seen it enough to really play out as many situations as actually can come up in the canyons. And like we were saying, it's a little more complicated to self-rescue with a double strand. With a single strand, you can use any of the mechanical ascenders out there um, to rescue yourself in the middle of a rappel. Micro traction or a rope man or a tib lock, you know, whatever you've got hanging on your belt is an option for you when you're on a single strand rappel on a beaner block. Another nice thing about it too is that you really don't need anyone to be like babysitting uh, one side of the rope. So it's just locked off. There's not much to do as far as anchor managing up at the top. It's a hands-free anchor, which is really nice to simplify the anchor manager's job. And another benefit of the beaner block is that if you have a situation where the pole might be a little touchy, you can keep the pole side of the rope kind of out of the way so that you're not getting tangled up with the rappel side as you're going down. It can make the rope pull just a lot simpler. The other thing that I really like with using a beaner block or anything to help me single strand a rappel is that I can set the rope length. And I already told you how that could be advantageous if you have some nuisance rappels, just some short rappels that you can see the bottom of. It's also super helpful in wet canyons where you may need to do a swimming disconnect. The last thing you want to do is be at the bottom of a waterfall, be splashing around under the water, over the water, and try to be getting your device off and drop your device in the water and lose it under that waterfall. Because you're not going to find it. You're not going to see it. I don't know if you brought your goggles, but you're probably not going to see it ever again. So what would be a lot safer would be to set that rope plank right at the water level, foot above the water, somewhere right in there, and be able to repel right off the end into that water. And that way you are not trying to disconnect while your hands are cold and fumbly, and you're also not risking tangling up the rope in whatever's underneath the water. Because you don't know if there's a log jam under there, you don't know if there's a branch, and you don't want to be diving under a waterfall to try to untangle something. So it's going to be a lot easier if you're able to set that rope length, especially on the wet canyons. It can save somebody's life. There are a couple of things to just watch out for when you're going to pull your rope down. With the beaner on the one side, on the pull side, it is bigger than just you know, the rope set up as a double strand. And so the beaner can sometimes get caught on something in the pole. That's just something to watch out for. So you can make that choice, you know, even if you had a beaner block set up for everybody else, the last person coming down could decide to just convert it to a double strand. And that's super easy. All they have to do is take the beaner out. To be honest, I've never gotten a beaner caught. Uh, but I know it could happen, and I've chosen not to do it sometimes because I think it might get caught. A lot of times you're able to navigate that and see it coming over an edge. If you have a clean view of it, you can avoid those types of things. But if you're getting into like a really windy area, that's where you might choose something like that double-stranded repel for the last person. Yeah, and probably the biggest safety concern with a beaner block 
is you need to be sure that every person going down the rappel is rappelling on the rappel side of the rope and not the pull side of the rope. The pull side of the rope, the side that the beaner is on, is not isolated. And so it can, if someone puts the rappel device on the pull side of a beaner block, that means that nothing is keeping the rope up there and it can pull out and they're just going to go down. So one of the things you can do to help people make sure that they're on the right side of the rope is to not throw the rope bag down until the very last person has rigged themselves on. That way it's like a really quick visual that the only piece of rope that's going over the edge is the safe one to go down the the correct side, the rappel side. It's a fatal mistake. It's a fatal mistake to rappel down the wrong side of a beaner block. So don't do that. Really be aware of it. You also need to make sure that the knot is tied properly. If someone puts a really sloppy clove hitch on there, it's going to roll over itself. You don't want it spinning around and being in weird places. You want that clove hitch set on the spine of the carabiner and just make sure that it is a well-dressed knot, that it looks good every time somebody goes down. So it doesn't require as much babysitting and usually that is just fine and nobody ever has to touch it. And at the same time, it is one that I always check before I go over. And I love what Karma was saying, that keeping that bag at the top lets everybody know. The rope that's going down the rappel is the rope that I'm rappelling on. And the rope that's at the top is not. It's very obvious what what's to be rappelled on and not. And the, your last person down should be one of your more experienced canyoneers who knows either to clip that bag to their hip or to throw it. And they can convert that to something else. So that's one of the things about a beaner block is that you can choose to leave it as is and rappel down on that proper side. Or your last person could throw both sides and turn into a double-stranded rappel where there can be no mistake. You do both. I guess that's not fair. Don't single-strand on a double-strand either. There are mistakes you can make. (laughs) Nonetheless, it's a lot more clear if you want to do that double-strand at the end. And most of the time... I feel like you can see the beaner block and do like a visual check before you start going down. But also it's another good reason to just be in the practice of waiting your whole system before you take off your personal anchor. So while you're still clipped in straight to the anchor, go ahead and rig up your repelling device and your third hand and try to sit your weight on it to make sure that everything's the way it should be. You know, when I come up to a beaner block, I actually have made it a habit that I clip in straight to the anchor with my personal anchor system or my tether, whatever you want to call it. And then I actually move that block. I slide it back and forth and I visually check which side it's smashing up against. I give it space, I pull it about 10 inches away and then I slam it up against it, just pulling it back and forth. And then I weight it and I test it that it's weighted. There have been incidents where people have just done a pull test where they just yank back on it and they're like, oh, it didn't move. And they've repelled on that based off of the fact that they didn't think it moved. Well, the rope was just stuck a little bit and they were on the wrong side. So just be aware that you want to visually check and do the pull check and then go over. It doesn't add much to your sequence to just pull, check, unclip and then go. 
Karma, have you ever seen somebody try to rig on the wrong side of a beaner block? It can be tricky sometimes. I was in a canyon once where the webbing was around a pinch point and over the edge of a chalk stone. And so where the rapide was sitting was kind of hanging down in this hole where we couldn't see it. So when I set up the beaner block, I had to, you know, reach down and kind of fish for it and fish yeah. it out of the hole and set up the beaner block. And then I let it go loose again while my friend was getting ready to go down it. And so I still had the rope at the top and she reached in and grabbed a rope and started rigging her critter onto it. And I pulled up on the rope to kind of bring the whole anchor up and out of the hole so we could see what was going on. And we realized that she had started rigging on the wrong side. It was the side of the rope that looped back up to the bag, not the side that was meant to go down the rappel. So it is easy to get it wrong if you can't see things clearly. So make sure in situations like that, that you're pulling it up and clearly visualizing which side of the beaner block that you're on. Yeah, it's a really good idea. No, <laughs> no room for guessing there. I'm glad you pulled it up. Yeah. Well, when you switch to canyoneering, there are some things that you do different. And those are the things that I didn't know I didn't know. And some of those obstacles are just in a rock climb. Everything that's 5'3 or harder has a pretty straight drop back down to the ground. And you're now exposing yourself in canyoneering to running into more rolling kind of canyons and turning canyons where your rope might get stuck. There's reasons you might not want to come down on a double strand because those ropes might lay on top of each other and get pinched. Or maybe it is that you want to set the length of the rope so that you are rappelling off into water and so you're going to come down on a single strand. And maybe you're coming down, your rope diameter was 9 millimeters as a climber and now it's 8 millimeters as a canyoneer. So you're coming down and now you're on a single strand. So you're coming down a lot faster and all of a sudden your ATC might not be good enough to give you enough friction to safely come down that rappel. You might be moving too fast. Same thing with a really long rappel. Climbers are usually doing rappels with their regular 60 meter rope doubled up. So we're talking about about 100 feet that a climber is going to do. Maybe you have two ropes tied together and you're doing 200 feet. Okay, that's possible. But usually that's 200 feet on a double strand. Again, now we're going to switch over and do that 200 foot rappel on a single strand that's 8 mil. And you might even jump up to a 300 foot rappel. And just the friction really changes. The weight of the rope starts to really play and... At the top, there is a ton of friction from the weight of the rope helping you out. And then at the bottom, you have almost none as you have no more weight of the rope and it could really fly through your hands at the bottom. So that is something that's very different and you might not see it coming until you start to experience it and actually are getting out there canyoneering. So it's nice to know ahead of time that there are some skills that are different. Other than that, you do have a lot of really great skills as a climber, and we want you at the table, especially Karma and I, want climbers to feel comfortable and confident as they're coming in here, and also being aware of some of the differences so that they don't get caught by surprise, like we did. If you're totally hooked on canyoneering like us, remember to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, and you can also reach out to us on Facebook with questions, comments, topics you want to talk about or just to say hey because we would love to hear from you thanks for dropping in with us and we'll catch you on the wrap side